Hi, welcome to the Anti-People Pleasing Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Westwood, the Codependency Coach. Each week, I answer your questions on codependency, people-pleasing, and all things relationship-related, submitted to me via Instagram. Follow me on the gram at Joe Westwood to submit your questions in my stories every Monday. You can also click the link in the show notes to take you straight there. Settle in, babes, because I am coming in hot this week. Our first question today actually comes from my online recovery community, Wildly Worthy. I answered this question in our weekly Q&A call last week, but I wanted to share it with you here because I think it's an increasingly common, stressful and confusing experience that I wanted to shed some light on in a more public forum. Of course, my client gave permission to share their question here on the pod, so thank you for that, my lovely. I know it's going to be so helpful for so many people. Just to whet your little audio appetites, I am about to talk about the boyfriend experience. I'm going to answer this question as if it's the first time I've read it, and if you've been through or are going through a situation like this, this answer is for you. Buckle up, because this one gets me bringing the big sister energy. So the question is, do you have any tips on first aid for rejection slash heartache? I did something stupid which ended a casual relationship and don't feel like I should be upset or need to make myself feel better, but I feel awful. So I had a feeling I knew what was up here, but I checked in for some more context. I asked my client what the nature of their relationship was, i.e. how casual was it, were there any feelings involved on their side, how long were they seeing each other, and what was the thing that ended it. They responded, We've been seeing each other for six months. He said he didn't have the capacity for a full-blown relationship, which was fine with me at the time, but we spent a lot of time together. We were sleeping together, but also staying over with each other, doing coupley things. I started developing feelings, but didn't want to risk what we had by saying anything. We had an agreement that we could see other people. We went out to a club at the weekend. We're both chatting to other people. I went with someone else to get a drink, have a dance, and we had a bit of a kiss. I was very drunk and didn't realise how long I was away for, and he was really angry. We had a massive argument, and now it's over. Okay, okay, okay. So, I hope you can hear the exasperation in my voice. The first thing to say here is, do not minimise your feelings. It feels like a breakup, because it is a breakup. This was a relationship in everything but name. This is a guy who wanted to be with you in every way except to commit to you so he could keep his options open. This is distinctly different to a poly or ethically non-monogamous relationship, so to be clear, no judgment and no shade. We accept all happy, healthy, functioning relationship structures in this house. But this was not that. This is a person who wants all the benefits of a relationship because relationships can be totally lovely, but without wanting to lock down that commitment and close off his options. He said he didn't have the capacity for a relationship, but then went on to show you that he had exactly that. He had the capacity for physical intimacy, you were having sex. He had the emotional capacity, you were doing coupley things together. He had the time capacity, you were seeing each other regularly and having sleepovers. What he didn't have was commitment capacity. 
What he didn't have was the capacity to stick to his own agreed upon permission structure when you went off and did your own sweet thing and snogged someone before he got the chance to lock down the person that he was grafting on. My dear one, this ended because you got there first. How very dare you play by the exact rules that were laid out between you. He was not a friend with benefits or a fuck buddy. He was more than that. He was giving you the boyfriend experience and expecting and enjoying the girlfriend experience in return. Except when he went out on his own or when he was cruising the dating apps, he could legitimately say that he was single. If he found a better option, he could do as he pleased without being a cheat. He was having his cake and eating it too, and with your permission. In fact, a genuine friends with benefits or fuck buddy situation would be more fulfilling than this, because then at least the boundaries would be clearer, the relational exchange mutual, the level of expectation and respect reciprocal. Instead, for the last six months, you have been settling for less than you wanted with someone who wasn't willing to give it to you, all the time getting closer to them and your feelings growing for them. Fearful that if you express those feelings, you would lose what you had, which again, was someone who wanted everything you could give them, but only until something better, in their eyes, came along. You are not a bookmark, darling. You are not a placeholder for someone who doesn't really want to be singles, fragile ego, while they sample what else might be on offer all the while fully enjoying the delightful benefits of being your boyfriend without having to label it or limit themselves to just you. And by the way, you did nothing wrong or stupid either. Again, the relationship only ended because you got there to another person first. Based on the ground rules that you had established, would you have reacted in the same way if he'd kissed someone in the club that night? No, of course not. How could you? Not least because then you'd be labelled the crazy woman for overreacting when you're only casual anyway. But because that's exactly what you had agreed was okay. The most effective form of gaslighting is the one that we take on and do to ourselves. The other person doesn't even really need to do it anymore because we just pick up the mantle and do it to ourselves. Every time you were with him and wanted to tell him how you really felt or ask him if it was time to shift gears and become exclusive or formalise the relationship and you didn't, every time you held back that visceral urge because you had agreed that this was just casual, because you didn't want to push him into something that he said he wasn't ready for, you minimised and dismissed yourself. There is no faster route to crushing your own sense of self-worth than carrying on a relationship, connection, situationship, whatever you want to call it, with someone who has made you feel that you are good enough for now, for tonight, but not good enough to actually claim and be in an official relationship with. I know the feeling so well. You have an amazing date or a night spent cuddled up together and you think, I don't get it. Why don't they want this with me all the time? Isn't this as good as it feels to me? Maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm crazy or maybe they just don't feel it or maybe I'm not enough. And so you stay quiet and you hope that the next lovely time you spend together will be the one that finally makes them realise. 
Look, I could go on and on and on about this all damn day because quite frankly, it makes my shit itch. But I'm gonna finish right where I started. We've established that this dude needs to sort himself out and decide what he actually wants, preferably somewhere far away from you. But you are my concern. So allow yourself to grieve this relationship. Allow yourself to have all the feelings and process it as a breakup. And then you shape up, you move on, you write your lists, episode seven, if you don't already know. You deserve someone who can give you what you want, whether that is a mutually beneficial casual setup or a full-on commitment and monogamy. Get clear on what you want from your next connection and don't settle for anything less. Okay, our next question comes from a person who wanted to stay anonymous on Instagram. And they asked, I've seen a lot about right person, wrong timing online recently. What are your thoughts? So this is a great question to follow up my TED talk on the boyfriend experience. It might surprise you to know that I also have some opinions on this one. Okay, here's the thing. Are you a flesh and blood human being? living in a little meat suit here on this physical earth, subject to the constraints of time and space. Just asking because I know I am. Maybe you are a far more enlightened being than me, vibrating on a whole different plane of existence. But for the purposes of this answer and ending this violently facetious little monologue, I'm going to assume that you are, in fact, just a little human bod adhering to time and its frustrating way of being consistent and always moving regardless of how much we may want it to speed up, slow down or stop altogether. In which case, the people you're meeting and dating are most likely also operating on this plane and adhering to the laws of time. What I'm trying to say here is, Timing is real. If I had to take a very hard line on this, I'd say there's no such thing as right person, wrong timing. The wrong timing makes them the wrong person. Now, if I can just stop being a little bitch for a minute, I might be able to offer some kinder and more helpful nuance here. So let me just steal myself for a moment. Okay, so as we've established, time keeps moving on. So that means that everyone's timing is constantly changing. So you may well meet someone today with whom the timing is off. They're not ready, you're not ready. They're already in a relationship, you're already in a relationship. You need to do some work on yourself, they need to do some work on themselves. Or any combination of the above and all the other reasons that two people's timing might not align in a given moment. But, and it's rare, But still, but, people can and do come back together when the timing is right. Most of us know of a story like this in our lives. You know, the people who grew up next door to each other, left home, got married, had kids with other people, got divorced, and years later found each other again. I have a pal who has been on, I shit you not, several dates recently with people she first dated a couple of years ago. If any of you are Catherine Ryan fans, you will know that she recently married her high school boyfriend after they spent 20 years apart and had respectively married and had children with other people. Here's the common denominator in all those examples that I gave and in all the examples that work out in real life. Those people did not expect that to happen. 
nor did they wait around holding a flame for those people, praying and wishing for the timing to be different so that they could have the relationship they wanted with the person they wanted in the timing they wanted it. And this is where we can get massively tripped up, especially as codependent people or people with an anxious attachment style. It's in the waiting and wondering, the hanging around like a bad smell, desperately wanting something to be different, hoping that if we stick around long enough, our timing has to match up eventually, right? When I lay it out like this, do you see how it's not only controlling, but also futile and quite painful? I'm going to guess that most of us tuning into this podcast know what it's like to wait around for someone who has told us or shown us that they are not ready to meet us where we are. I think the idea that right person, wrong timing can give us false hope and a sense of delusion that there is one right person for us, a soulmate with whom we are just waiting for our divine timing to finally align. Personally, I don't subscribe to this narrative. I think there are lots of great potential partners out there for every person. With some of them, the timing will be off, in which case they become not such a great potential partner, despite how much of a connection and how much chemistry we may have with them. We really need to start putting more weight on timing and how ready and open the people we are dating are to the kind of relationship that we want to have. I mean, Will I ever stop harping on about those damn lists from episode seven? But as a reminder, some of the things on my must-have list, emotionally available, wants a relationship, monogamous, has time to see me and is consistent with communication and spending time together. On my list of absolute no's, inconsistent, doesn't want a relationship, and I just added, doesn't know what they want, which is as good as saying they don't want a relationship. Like, okay, Jason, please go figure out what it is that you want and not on my clock. Come back to me if and when you know. Oh, and by the way, if you do come back, our timing will still be off because I'll probably have moved on by then. And here's another kicker. What is less sexy than someone who is chronically available, i.e. codependent as fuck, someone who's willing to sacrifice their wants, needs and sense of self just to be with you? There is no pull towards that type of neediness. There is no erotic cologne called eau de desperation, my darlings. It makes me think of the situation from today's first question with boyfriend experience guy, who despite showing my lovely client that he actually did have the capacity for a relationship, kept saying that he didn't. And that's exactly the kind of situation that we can get stuck in if we are a person who doesn't have a great sense of self-worth. Again, hoping that they will come around and change their mind. The mature and fair thing for boyfriend experience guy, or rather deliciously beg for short, to do would have been to say, I'm not ready for a relationship, so it's not fair of us to spend time together in this relationshipy way. Or say to himself, I'm not ready for a relationship, so I'm not going to mess anyone around by putting myself out there right now. But of course, why would he do that? Most people are not emotionally intelligent or mature enough to do that, and many people find it hard to let go of a quality source of validation and affection, even if they know it's somehow not right, especially if they're enjoying it and benefiting from it. So we must take control of our own destinies and release people like this from our lives 
so that they can stop taking up energy with their bad timing and free ourselves to find someone who is cool as fuck and also on the same timeline as us. Now, if you're lucky, and by lucky, I mean you'll get to have a cute how we met story, that person could be someone you've met before when the timing was off. But honestly, the cool story is the only thing you'll gain from re-meeting a person later down the line. Your connection is no more special than people who meet by chance or luck in any other way. So stop holding your breath, waiting for that one person who dickmatized you or slipmatized you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just made that one up. I will accept alternative suggestions on a postcard. To come around and for their feelings, their situation and their timing to change. Go live your life. Stop trying to control time and make it different. Be an interesting and engaged enough person that when someone who is ready for you comes along, you're ready for them too. Ironically, not still hung up on your ex being their bad timing person. Imagine that. Next up, we have a work and boundaries question, which I always love answering because it's super easy to get stuck in thinking that codependency is all about dating and our romantic lives. So my loves, take this as your invitation. If you have any work or family related questions, send them my way. I would love to answer more of them. So this one is from Amy and she said, I started a new job and find it impossible not to share things about myself that I want to keep private. For me, these are in response to family or abilities that I don't have, i.e. I'm estranged from my family and I have a disability. I find that I talk about my family as if we're still together in order to relate to others and fit in. My question is, how can I set boundaries on what I share but still be a friendly new employee? Okay, Amy, so vagueness, playfulness and stock phrases are your friends here. As codependent people, a technique we use to bond and enmesh with people quickly is oversharing. We're not very good at slowing down and taking a beat when it comes to spilling our guts with new people. When we do this, we can at best end up with a pretty gross vulnerability hangover and at worst show our hand to people who are manipulative and we'll be able to spot this soft underbelly that we have a mile off. I'm not sure if any of that resonates with you, Amy. But it also sounds like one of the things you're concerned about is just being authentically you. Not feeling like you have to pretend to have contact with your family or feeling like you have to give away information about your disability to people you barely know just to be liked. You want to be able to be yourself whilst also not giving everything away, which is totally healthy and rational, by the way. That's exactly the way it should be. Allowing people to earn our trust and get to know us over time mind-blowing to my codependent babes, I know. So, the first principles to help you do this, as I've briefly mentioned, are slow down and be vague. It's okay to take your time to answer a question, and it's okay to not join in with a conversation and just listen and observe. And it's really helpful to practice some stock phrases that most people will understand mean that they shouldn't go any further on that subject with you. So if people ask you about your family, you could say something like, oh, I don't see much of them, we're not close. Which is true, but it doesn't go into all the gory details. On the note of your family, I also think it's totally okay to speak about them to the extent that you want to, as if they were in your life at one point, because this is also true. So if the subject of family holidays when you were kids comes up, as an example, 
that might be something that you could join in the conversation on. If it's true for you, it's true for you, even if you're estranged from them now. And you can take this to the next level by adding in playfulness to your stock phrases. So, for example, if someone wants to probe further on your disability or family stuff, I mean, blah, I really hope that they know, at the very least in a work setting, that you just do not do that. But anyway, if they do, you could say something like, yeah, sure, I'd love to tell you more about that. Take me out to a nice restaurant sometime and I'll fill you in over lunch. Or, oh, aren't you a curious one? Pass me that pen, I'll jot down my national insurance number for you as well. If you respond in kind of a cheeky, playful way like this, it's a way to show humour and personality whilst also putting a boundary in place. Most people, if they hear a comment like this, will understand that you don't want to go any further and probably respond with, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to pry. To which you can let them know, it's okay, it's just not something I'm comfortable discussing with people right away. Or you could say, yeah, it's fine, I know people are curious and it's nice to be asked about myself. It's just that those things don't define me, so I don't want them to be the first things I discuss with people. And of course, if anyone gets really pushy with you in an inappropriate way around anything that isn't to do with your work, then it's totally fine to drop the friendly colleague vibes and put a hard boundary in place. Actions have consequences and you don't owe anyone at work the intimate details of your life. Remember, it's not your job to make people feel comfortable about the aspects of your life that might be different from theirs. And our final question today was submitted by my favourite client. Just kidding, I don't have favourites. They just wanted to be identified that way. Just kidding, I totally do have favourites, but I'll never tell. And if you're listening and you think it's you, you're right. So they asked, how can you tell when you're healing versus when you're just not into somebody? No anxiety, etc. So my question back to you is, how do you feel when you're with them? If you love the time you're together and there's no anxiety there, but the anxiety creeps in when you're apart, making you question whether this is even good if you're not constantly on edge, then my feeling would be to stick around a little longer and see if this wave passes. I feel like maybe your insidious anxiety is finding bullshit ways to make this person less attractive to you because healthy and stable is unfamiliar to you. I think if you're just not into somebody, You feel it when you're with them or when they want to make plans with you. There will be a sense of resistance there, you know, almost like you're just not that into them. And here's something else that came up for me when I was considering your question. Maybe you're finally in a relationship where you're the one who needs to slow things down or take a step back. It could be that the feeling you're getting of not being into this person is coming from the fact that you need a little more space in the relationship a little more mystery, an opportunity to miss each other, or just to slow things down and bring in the fun and lightheartedness that the early stages of dating should be about. As codependent people, because we tend to bond and enmesh with people very quickly, it's really easy for us to skip over those fun, early, playful stages of dating and within a few weeks feel like we're nine months deep with someone. So it could be that the spark that you're missing isn't anxiety, but playfulness. So that was a short and sweet, but hopefully helpful answer. 
And now my loves, it's that time of the show where I'd like to remind you that my codependency recovery community, Wildly Worthy, is open. For less than £50 a month, you can get access to weekly Q&A coaching calls with me, as well as my full online codependency recovery course, and a community of people who are all on this recovery journey with you. So that means a totally supportive, judgment-free zone. Wildly Worthy is open to all women and female socialised non-binary people. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anti-People Pleasing Podcast. Please don't forget to leave me a lovely five-star rating if you enjoy the show. Drop me a nice review and subscribe to or follow the pod. It helps more people find us and join the movement to have healthier, more fulfilling relationships. Until next time, my loves. question to follow up my TED toy my TED talk this is a great question to follow up my TED talk on the boyfriend experience <clears throat> so this is a great question to follow up my TED talk on the boyfriend <laughs> fucking out <laughs> don't record your podcast at 9.30pm <sighs> here's the thing Are you a flesh and blood human being living in a little meat suit? (laughs) So patronising. Living in a little meat suit here on earth. (laughs) Oh, episode nine and the bitch is out. Fucking slipmatised. This is what it's come to. This is what it's come to, babes. Fucking slipmatised.